This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The following is a presentation of A's Cast, your free 24-7 nonstop destination for A's baseball. Go to athletics.com slash A's Cast to download the app. Restrictions apply. It's now time for A's Unfiltered with Chris Townsend. From amazing stories to colorful personalities, join us as we go in-depth with the men and women that make up the Oakland Athletics Organization. It all starts right now. Welcome to another edition of A's Unfiltered with Chris Townsend. Hope everybody's enjoying the All-Star break. It's vacation time. And, of course, the All-Star game is going to be great as we're going to see Matt Chapman now in home run derby. And he actually told us on A's Cast Live that he really wanted to do it, and he wants to win the million bucks. So we're going to enjoy home run derby with Matt Chapman. Then we'll see Matt in the game with also Liam Hendricks, both first-time All-Stars. It's going to be a lot of fun. We've got a really good one for you here as we're going to talk to the mad dog chris russo from mlb network we're also going to talk to chris rose from intentional talk and also you see him on the nfl network we'll talk to chris and then we're going to have ryan stanick who came over and joined us uh at our little stage that we have next to the dugout uh on the third base side for A's cast live and the same thing for trey mancini so we got a ray and an oriole for you but coming up first you know i have a lot of respect for this guy because he's a pioneer in our business and you think of of Mike and the Mad Dog and what they did on WFAN. It's truly the the most historic and probably greatest sports radio show that we've ever seen in our industry. And Chris Russo was a big part of that. Obviously, now he does his stuff on Sirius and XM. But a lot of respect, pioneer. He left that show kind of like what we did here when we launched something that was brand new. You know, he left WFAN. That was a job he could have had for the rest of his life and taking that to retirement. But he gambled, went to Sirius and it's been a great gamble. But we love him. We love his show on the MLB Network. Here is the great Chris Russo, the Mad Dog. Chris, how we doing? Welcome to uh, A's Cast Live. Good to be with you guys. How you doing today? Things good? What's going on? Fill me in. The reason I wanted to have you on is because what I've done in my career is something that you did also. As we were on terrestrial radio, you took that chance to go to satellite and start your own series and start your own and have your own network. We're doing the same thing here as we are We are the only team in baseball allowed to have a 24-7 station on TuneIn. We are the guinea pig. Everybody in Major League Baseball is watching us because they know this is the future. So you understand taking that risk. Wow. And we're doing the same thing here with the Oakland A's. Oh, very good. That's a tremendous job. Sort of a uh, all A's, all A's all the time, almost like being in Green Bay doing a Packers show 24-7. Uh, that's a tremendous job. Listen, in my situation, I knew the owner, uh, Mel Carmerson, very well. Uh, I knew um, 
you know, I, 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 was, I had done 20 years on, on terrestrial, so it was time for a little bit of a change. Uh, you know, Sirius, although they were struggling at that time, they did have Howard Stern. So uh, I knew that, uh, you know, as long as Howard was there, the place was going to have some listeners. So it wasn't quite as dramatic as uh, a lot of folks would like to believe. But what you guys are doing, that's a heck of a job. I was not even aware of that. So for you to do basically uh, A's uh, 24-7, uh, doing it in the off season as well, is it 365 days a year? Now we're doing it all year long, and, and we've developed this show, which is our live show that uh, we also do with the pre and the post and the broadcast. So I, I knew you would understand, you know, when you take a gamble, but it, it's very, very exciting. And, and the thing about baseball and the thing about the A's, you know, this franchise dating back to Philadelphia has always been at the forefront of baseball and the great thing is is that we can talk A's we can talk any sport I mean we can talk any team so really we're covering all 30 teams plus covering the A's and giving them this great coverage I wanted to get into I know what a big Giants fan you are and Madison Bumgarner looks like Farhan Zaidi is going to have him out there and potentially trade if you're one of those teams that's looking for a starting pitcher how do you not line up and say I need this guy for the postseason. 100%. Uh, you know, I don't like to see the Giants trade Bumgarner, but I certainly understand that they get a long rebuild there. Uh, you know, uh, I would think the Yankees could use him in the worst way. Uh, I wouldn't be shocked if Houston, uh, they could use another pitcher. Certainly Atlanta in the NL. You know that Bumgarner would rather go to the NL because they can hit. And obviously Atlanta is not too far from Carolina there, so he could, you know, he's not too far from home. Uh, I don't know if the Braves, who have a great farm system, I don't know if they're going to give the Giants what the Giants would like. The Yankees could give the Giants Frazier, who's a good hitter, uh, can't play defense, doesn't really have a place here to play in New York with, you know, Stanton and Judge and Hicks in the outfield. The Yankees can spare Frazier, who just got sent down to the minor leagues uh, when they made the trade for Encarnacion. So, uh, there will be enough teams out there who would want Bumgarner, uh, teams that would obviously have a chance to win a championship. I don't know if the Braves feel that they're going to win a championship even with Bob Garner because nobody's better than the Dodgers in the National League. I think the Yankees with the Red Sox having won a lot of titles including last year for this century. I think the Yankees feel desperate this year that they have to win it all. So I could see the Yankees doing something and again I do think Bob Garner will wave a no trade. Uh, I would think Yankees right now I still think because of the fact that there's a want they need another pitcher and they have a spare guy that can give the Giants, who's good, in Frazier, I still make the Yankees the team to beat there as far as Bumgarner is concerned. I really do. Now, obviously, the Yankees, what a year they've had with all the injuries and, and where they are and still standing. I Actually, Encarnacion, the, the Mariners were here when he got traded. I understand for the regular season, but have they become too right-handed for postseason baseball with you know so many teams having all these great right-handed relievers? Uh, I'm not worried about the Yankees right-handed. I am a little worried about the Yankees being a home run-oriented team. And you're right, everybody on that Yankee team, except for D.D., is going to basically hit right-handed in big games. I'd be a little worried about the Yankees being a little feast or famine. And, you know, they will strike out a lot. Stanton will strike out plenty. So will Judge. So will Sanchez. Uh, so I'd be a little worried about the strikeout proportion and, of course, a little too much with the homers. I'm, I'm not worried about righty to righty. If the Yankees are swinging the bats well, they're going to hit anybody. What they may be except of Verlander in a big game. Um, I Listen, the Yankees need another pitcher. Uh, the Yankees will have a formula 
in the postseason where they will go to a million relievers, as we all know. And there's a chance that when you do that, you're going to find somebody who doesn't have it. I'd be a little worried about Boone making too many moves in that spot. So, I mean, I, the Yankees, and of course, Houston's very good. So, this will be a vet. I mean, the Yankees this year have to win it. Uh, if they lose in the postseason this year, that's not going to be accepted in New York. Uh, the Yankees need to get to a World Series. If they lose the World Series, I'm sure the Yankee fan will live with it. But the Yankees have to get to a World Series. So, uh, a lot of pressure on the Yankees. I think it's going to be a very, very interesting American League. I think really the only two teams that can get to a World Series out of the American League are the Yankees and the Astros. I don't think the Twins, I think they're built for the regular season. I don't think the Red Sox are going to go to the postseason. Tampa just got waxed here in New York. They don't beat the Yankees with that punch and Judy lineup. So this will be a, uh, I think this is a Yankee-Astro thing. And the thing to keep an eye on is the fact that they could play a best of five series instead of a best of seven series based on the fact that Minnesota might have the best record. And if that's the case, they would play the wild card winner, which is not going to be the Yankees, which would be Boston and Tampa. So we keep an eye on that. And I know you think maybe the A's, but really Boston or Tampa. You know, we just had the Orioles here and we had Jim Palmer on the show and just the disgust in, in his in his face and his voice about where they are. And, my, and Mike Elias, their general manager, and I'm looking at, you know, what is the plan here? How do you feel as a long-term baseball fan where you just have so many teams that are, are trying to go into this total dumpster fire, revamp, we're going to try and be like the Astros. It's not going to always work out like it's worked out for the Astros. Oh, or the Cubs. Uh, 100% right, but the problem is, if you're the Orioles, what are you supposed to do? You're supposed to go bring in some uh, free agents, moderate free agents, and go out there and then bang your head against the wall and get pounded by the Yankees and the Red Sox. They tried that with Chris Davis. They gave him $161 million. It was the worst signing in the world, and now they, gotta, they can't get rid of him. So, the Orioles tried to be competitive, they know uh, they brought in Alex Cobb. That was a disaster. They brought in Jimenez. That was a disaster. Davis is an unmitigated disaster. So nobody can pick on the Orioles because they tried to do it, as you just said, to try to maintain some credibility as a franchise, win some games, maybe get a little lucky and you know go out there and win a postseason series. They lost that terrible game, of course, to the Blue Jays. But they tried it, and it wasn't successful. So and when you're in a division with the Yankees, Yankees and the Red Sox, uh, I cannot blame you if you're going to, you know, wait for another day before you go out there and try to compete with them. So I have no problem with what Baltimore is doing. I, uh, Kansas City just won a championship, so you can't kill them. White Sox appear to finally have straightened out a little bit. Tigers, you know, have been a pretty competitive team, so they're going to go in a different direction. I think it's a very tricky spot. I think it's more of an American League problem. I think it's also got up to do with the fact that these American League teams see how good the Yankees and the Astros are. Red Sox normally, and they think they can't win, even if they try to win and win 90 games, that they're not going to win a championship series against those clubs. The Indians would be case in point. So they're not going to, you know, they're going to go in a different direction. I, it's bad for the sport, but I can't, I, I can't kill the Baltimore Orioles for regrouping. I really can't. We're hitting a record amount of home runs right now and going to hit more than 1,000 than last year. Going to set the record. Was talking to Scott Emerson, the pitching coach, of the athletics and we're talking about is the ball juiced and then he brought up hey is the bat juiced is the bat harder so if we have the harder balls and the harder bats what's your opinion on all these home runs that are flying out of the yard on a nightly basis i think there christopher it's a combination of about 20 different things launch angles velocity 
uh, of the pitchers, so the ball travels more, smaller ballparks. I think the ball this year might be a little tighter, so as a result, that will fly too. Uh, I don't know enough about the bats. I'll listen to Scott if he seems to think that's a factor. I think it's a lot of issues. I think this is a cycle thing. I think you'll see baseball try to readjust next year and keep the home runs down a little bit. So I think you'll see them do something specifically maybe with uh, what they do in Colorado with the dehumidifier with the balls. I think you'll see something down the road. Uh, But I think it's a combination of about four or five different things that has brought us this home run explosion. And it's too bad. A good case in point the other night, Houston's playing the Reds. Uh, Houston trails by a run in the ninth. Houston gets a leadoff guy on, one of those young kids who's got a lot of speed. Doesn't steal the base. Bregman's up, first pitch, pops up. Next guy's up, first pitch, he pops up. Guy's still in first base. And the next kid strikes out. Now, the, can you imagine that? You didn't try to move the runner over. He didn't give the guy a chance to have some st- a stolen base, then move him to third and tie the game up. I mean, the game is, you know, they, they don't believe in moving the runners. They don't believe in bunting people over. And, oh, it's a different game. They believe in hitting the ball out of the ballpark is what they believe in. And as a result of that, you're going to have a lot of homers. And you're going to have, then you're throwing a bad, a, a juice ball, and you're throwing, as Scott said, maybe some juice bats. And you're going to have a lot of, you know, 11-8 games with a lot of solo homers. That's the way the sport is right now. Yeah, and before we get you out of here, I had to get your uh, reaction. We were just talking to Mark Canna yesterday about, and I was with the ball club in Texas when he did his bat flip, and Sampson wasn't happy about it, was barking at him. Then the very next day, we had the Muncie uh, up against Bumgarner. What's your take on let the kids play in the bat flip? I don't like it. Uh, I understand why baseball is doing it. Uh, I'm going to do the old Chuck Noll argument where you want to be act, you know, with the guy who scored a touchdown and danced, act like you've been there before. So uh, I am going to go with that. Uh, baseball is in a tricky spot. They want the kids to go out there and have fun, the Ken Griffey ads, and then they go out there and they have fun, and then the pitcher dances, and then the hitter gets mad, and the hitter looks at a home run ball for three hours, and the pitcher gets mad, then you got a then you got uh, uh, beaning people and everything else. It really, it, in a lot of ways, it's baseball's fault. They they want this emotion, but these are young kids who are very competitive, who don't like to be shown up when somebody hits a home run or there's somebody is struck out. And as a result of that, you have uh, you know beanball incidences and everything else. Now beanballs are not bad. You know it brings attention. They get on ESPN. Baseball needs to become more of a conversational piece in in the, in the sports world, and it isn't. It needs to become more of that. So, you know, bean balls and the incidences are not so bad, but then they suspend players. So it's a weird catch-22 for the sport, uh, but they've gone in this direction. They want to appeal, as you know, there's uh, Christopher, to the younger fan. So they go. They're going to allow the players to do things that are a little crass that Joe DiMaggio in his grave uh, can't believe. They're going to allow this to happen. You've been a pioneer in our business and radio, and, of course, your TV show is fantastic on the MLB Network. Thank you so much for taking the time. We truly appreciate it. Hey, you know what? Great job on you guys' part. Uh, that's a heck of a job doing this 24-7 uh, every day of the year. I give you a lot of credit. Good luck. Thank Good you, to be Chris. On today. Take care. 
Okay, buddy. Great having him on. And now we go to another Chris. Chris Rose, phenomenal career in television, what he's done throughout the years when he was on Fox Sports, now what he does on Intentional Talk, which is a terrific show that he does with uh, Kevin Millar. And, of course, you see him on the NFL Network. Here is Chris Rose from the MLB Network. Now joining us, he does a fantastic job, Intentional Talk on the MLB Network, one of my favorite shows. And then also what he does for the NFL Network. Chris Rose is with us. Chris, how are we doing this evening? Doing great. What's going on? Where we are just talking about it because it just happened again in Chicago. It's who can pimp it, who can't, let the kids play. Do we like bat flips? Can Marcus Stroman be yelling on the mound? It's like we have all these rules for different guys, and at some point it's just you want to talk about an act being tired. It's everybody being upset with guys showing a little emotion. Yeah, I think that if you kind of follow along, I think that Contreras was actually responding a little bit to Bryant getting hit a couple batters before him. So, you know, the Cubs have been tagged a lot lately. Um, And then, you know, I think that that was probably a reaction to it. That's what this one sounds like, at least. Not 100% certain, but just kind of watching the game from a distance. Listen, for me as a baseball fan, none of it bothers me. I don't care. Flip a bat, and everybody like, well, it's got to be an important at bat. It's got to be a can't be Tim Anderson giving the White Sox a lead in the third inning. Why not? Maybe that's the one that puts them over the top. Maybe that's the one that ends up starting a winning streak. Maybe. And Marcus Stroman turning into the Red Sox dugout and yelling? Fine. And for Eck, of all people, to start getting on him, I'm like, uh, did, did, you, did you forget what you used to do? Like at the end of games, punching guys out, all that sort of stuff? Like, it's fine with me. It doesn't. None of it bothers me, but I don't know. Some people get their uh, feathers ruffled, I guess. I was recently in Cleveland with the Oakland Athletics where the A's had a great series against the Tribe, and, and a lot of people there in Cleveland were wondering the future of this team heading into the trading deadline. But all of a sudden, your Indians have gotten hot, and they've won, uh, they've won eight of their last ten, and they're now 42-35. and 35. Tell me about your Tribe trying to chase down the Minnesota Twins. Yeah, I don't think they'll be able to chase them down because I don't see the Twins. Let's say the Indians go 8-2 and two over a 10-game stretch. I don't see the Twins going 2-8. and eight. Um, The Indians are significantly improved. The Bats have, have gotten going in the month of June, and they've played well, uh, especially against a bunch of decent teams. I mean, they took a series from the Yankees. They took one from the Red Sox. Um, so they've done okay against some, some pretty good clubs, and now they're – kind of getting into the all-star break against some of the quote-unquote weaker competition with Detroit and Kansas City and things of that nature. They're in, I think they're one of the most interesting teams come trade deadline time because I could see them doing three things. I could see them adding a small piece offensively, nothing that's going to cost them big time, either financially or prospect-wise. I could see them dealing the likes of Bauer and or Hand because those are the most, you know, tradable pieces that you've got right now that that teams what I think give you a decent haul for, especially for hand. Uh, or they could trade Bauer and say, we're going to hang on to hand because he's affordable the next couple of years. And sure, we won't 
have as good a pitcher as Trevor Bauer, but we'll get something decent for him and still try and chase down this wild card. And you never know, make it back to the playoffs somehow and you get Kluber back and Clevenger. And if things are clicking, maybe you make a decent little run. Yeah, some tough calls. And uh, Trevor Bauer, I know a lot of people would love to have him on their staff for the rest of the season. And what makes this year so interesting, no waiver wire process. You get one shot right. at it. you think we're going to start seeing some trades earlier now? Yeah, I'm kind of surprised we haven't at this point. Um, you know, I mean, it's, this is a game of chicken for all these GMs. They're really going to try and, I guess, try and figure it out over the next four weeks and see exactly where their team is. But it's, you know, it's almost like the decision that you don't want to make in your life. And you know that it's really not going to change that much over the next month. So you're just like, I'll put it off another month. Like, you know, I think a lot of these teams, just because of, you know, how much depth there is in baseball and maybe in some cases a lack of true stardom with some of these teams and star power that you're going to see a lot of teams caught in the middle, just like they are right now in the wild card standing. So your decisions aren't going to change in a month. It's just a month later. So why didn't I pull the trigger a month ago? Maybe I could have gotten a guy that could have helped me. You're down in Los Angeles, so you get to see the Dodgers a lot and just the year they're mm-hmm. having once again. And what what I marvel at is the stat of 16 homegrown players currently on the roster. Talk about what you're seeing with the Dodgers, and they have so many young, terrific players. Well, it was interesting. After Will Smith became the third straight rookie to hit a walk-off homer against the Rockies this weekend, Oral Hershiser, who does the TV for the Dodgers, said there's so much depth in this organization you could almost field two major league teams and it made me laugh and i was like that's that's a great line because they do have so much talent now here's the question do do they have they value their prospects and we can understand why i mean you know they never wanted to get rid of seager they never wanted to get rid of bellinger you know back in the days when guys like David Price and Cole Hamels were available. Well, now you can understand why. But do they give up a couple of pieces to go fortify that bullpen, which in my opinion is is still the most glaring need to try and become the first National League team to make three straight World Series since the Cardinals in the 40s? I would say yes. Um, I don't think they can go into October with what they've got presently. But damn, they are a good team. They're drafting well. They develop well and give those kids a lot of credit because when they come up, they they act like they belong. Yeah, because you get to a point to where some of these kids, they're blocked. So just stash them in the minor leagues does you no good. Well, I mean, it does to a degree. You know, I mean, Russell Martin, I think his contract's up next year. So this kid, Will Smith, who has a walk-off homer uh, yesterday, you know, he could be their starting catcher next year, no problem, and they'd feel good about that right they had another they have another kid that's a minor league catcher that's even younger from what i understand that's a really really good hitter um and is developing behind the plate but yeah i mean are they going to have places for everybody that's why they made the puig and kemp deals in part to make sure that cody bellinger's starting every game not that he's playing every game like he did a year ago but but coming off the bench in 30 of them what are you thinking if you're a, a rival GM in the National League West and, and, and you're listening to a conversation like this about all that talent? 
we got to get better. I mean, you know, yes, it's nice to have a $200 million payroll, but a lot of those guys that are contributing, right, are, aren't big-time salary guys right now. So they're doing a good job in the minor leagues, and that's, you know, it's a, it's a little bit like what the Yankees are doing too. I mean, they're getting it from both ends. They can afford to have a guy like Jacoby Ellsbury not contribute over the length of a seven-year contract, but at the same time, when all those big wheels are injured and they're getting the sort of play they got out of Luke Voigt and Giovanni Urshela and Clint Frazier when he was up here, you know, that that could have been any team if they had drafted, developed, and traded as well as these mega powers have. You know, I think about this time of the year, as you also work for the NFL Network, I also work for the Raiders. At what point is it starting right now? Is it July where you start getting that buzz for the NFL again? Yeah, I mean, I think you always have a buzz for it. I mean, are you you ready for hard knocks? You're gonna be. Are you going to make a guest appearance on this thing? Oh, I, I cannot. How about this? Not only hard knocks, but a hard knocks in Napa, California. Yeah, I know. That'll be interesting. That could be hard knocks after dark. It could be a, <laughs> could be a, it could get a little loose out there, which I think is what we're all expecting and ready to have some fun with it. You know, I think it could be a great hard knocks, obviously with Gruden and Mayock and two guys who don't mind chopping it up on camera, um, talking about stuff. And then obviously you add in the AB factor and Carr can carry on a conversation. And I mean, geez, if you don't sit down AB and Vontez perfect for the first scene of the whole season, then I don't know what you're doing, but there's a lot of good stories there. And you know, I, I mean, I can't wait to get it all rolling. It's especially for a guy from Cleveland. It should be, uh, it should be nice. Oh, no doubt about that. Are you going to go to the all-star game? Oh yeah. Yeah. It's, I've been waiting for this one ever since they, they penciled it in a couple of years ago. Um, since I've been alive, the city of Cleveland's hosted two all-star games in 1981. I was away at summer camp, begged my parents to take me with, and they wouldn't. And then in 1997, I was working at CNN in Atlanta and I was too young to have any juice to, uh, you know, earn my way onto the roster that time. So, uh, I will be going there. We'll be doing intentional talk live. Uh, I'll be doing some stuff with the celebrity softball game on Sunday. I'm bringing my two sons who are diehard Cleveland sports fans and my wife. And we're actually going to shoot a piece for intentional talk where we stand in the, uh, left field area for home run derby and kind of mix it up out there. So I can't wait to get going. Well, you guys have an incredible show on the MLB network and also what you do for the, uh, NFL network, top notch, big fan. Thank you so much for stopping by the show and enjoy the all-star game. I appreciate it. It's going to be awesome. Thank you. Our next guest, what's really cool, is Ryan Stanek. He is going to be the face of this opener thing. When it's all said and done, nobody has done it more than him. He's not the first guy. Actually, when we were in Tampa, we were talking to one of the Rays broadcasters because we always thought it was Sergio Romo. They actually used somebody else originally, and no one really remembers. I don't remember who the guy was, but – If you really look at 
the opener. Ryan Stanek has done it more than anybody else, and he is going to be the guinea pig because when he's going to go to arbitration, he's going to be the guy that has started the most ever as the opener, and we're going to see how he's going to get paid. I find it really fascinating. Here's Ryan Stanek, the opener from the Tampa Bay Rays. Ryan Stanek, the opener for the Rays. Obviously, this is something so much of talked. We've talked about this, and this really is the future of baseball, and the guy that really made this all happen and start with it is with us. How are you? I'm doing good. How are you? What has it been like? You know, as a reliever, you know, you're a reliever. You come at but all of a sudden they come up with this idea that they're going to put you out there for an inning or two, and next thing you know it's blowing up all over the MLB network. Brian Kenny loves you. I mean, it's really changed your career. Yeah, it's uh, it's uh, definitely been interesting. It's it's something that I never really expected to to be a part of something that, that I guess is kind of changing the game a little bit. But um, yeah, it's it's definitely been an uh, interesting ride so far. Well, and the one thing for you guys, it works. And that's, you know, when we look at the numbers, for not everybody, it doesn't work for everybody. Why does it work for you guys? I don't know. I think it's I think it's a lot of a lot of buy-in from from the guys and I think just the personnel we have here kind of fits kind of like the MO of what it's supposed to be. Like what like the idea is like you, t- you take a guy that's capable of throwing in the back end of a game and and matching up with with the, basically the guys that they're probably going to face in the seventh or eighth inning anyway, and you just basically start off the game with it. And I think like we're we're just pretty fortunate. We have a lot of really good arms and and guys that are willing to do something that's a little bit weird or a little bit quirky and and try to win win some games that way. So as a bullpen guy, you're used to call comes down, you get up, get hot, eight, nine, ten pitches, whatever it is. But now you're starting. You're starting the game. So how does how does that flip your routine? Have you developed like a routine as the opener? Uh, a little bit, yeah. Like my warm up is is a little bit different because it's not as it's not as rushed. But um, it's it's not a lot of changing in my day to day though. Like everything everything I plan, it just like I would be relieving normally, and then on a start day, I just maybe I don't know. I I, I just get to take my time a little bit more when I'm getting getting ready for the game. And I don't want to get too personal, but I'm wondering as this goes on, you and your agent, how is this going to play when it comes to contract time when you got all these starts versus really I mean, you 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 really are going to be the guy that's going to set the standard for how guys get paid for this? Yeah, it it could be interesting. I, I feel like I'm going to be the the crash test dummy for <laughs> for this whole thing. So, um yeah, I, I don't really know, and and I don't think I don't think anybody really knows exactly how that that aspect of it is gonna is gonna work out. Um, obviously, hoping hoping for the best. So hopefully, hopefully it becomes something that uh, the I guess league wide and and everybody sees is a is a big benefit. But I guess we'll cross we'll cross that bridge when it comes. Hey, we're all pulling for you because let me tell you, relievers now are more important than they've ever been. Relievers are eating up more innings than ever before. And we always just used to think of the closer's the guy. No, there's a bridge guy to a bridge guy. To you guys are so valuable in baseball, and the Rays, a lot like the A's, mm-hmm. your, your success is going to be a big part of what the bullpen does. For sure, it's it, for us. It's it's it seems more about versatility. It's like we have a lot of guys that are capable of opening, setting up, closing. Like if you're if you're capable of doing all of those jobs. 
jobs, you just make yourself more attractive for your team and every other team. And I think about the the Rays and the A's. The organizations are, are so similar, right? Both have ballpark issues. Both don't have the biggest payroll. Both are big into analytics. When you look across to the A's, does it feel like you're looking in a mirror? A little bit, yeah, because you, you look at the way that, that each team is built, like... I noticed it a lot last year because they were like when we were playing each other and and we're both fighting for the playoffs and trying to trying to make a run at it and it just a lot of the things that that I see us doing on a on a regular basis on the field is, is stuff that I, I I noticed y'all doing so it's it's definitely it's definitely you could see a lot of a lot of things that each team does alike there's a lot of grittiness and and players that really grind and buy into their the system and the philosophy and and the ideas that you, that are brought to you so there's definitely a lot of similarities that way. I noticed this when we were at the Trop, and I've noticed it here. You guys work really, really hard. Actually, you guys kind of remind me of Japanese teams and how hard they work, as you guys are always taking infield before the game. Mm-hmm. There's a work ethic that comes w- with your team. Talk about that, because I think that's one of the reasons why you guys are so successful. Oh, for sure. Like, they're, they're like we have guys out, out doing early work and early hitting, and... and Conditioning and uh, strength training, all the all the stuff that you, that like you don't you don't really get to see on a on a on a I guess a daily basis that like from the outside looking in that like you 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 you've, you've taken a glance at like we've got infielders out there with Rodney and and Q and Hoover and all the guys taking infield and like all the time they're out there working all the time and then you, they do their little early work and all their drills and everything and it just it just constantly everybody's going and doing something. There's not a whole lot of just like time to just kind of kick it in the clubhouse for everybody. Everybody's out trying to do something to get better and and I feel like that's a testament to the coaching staff and a testament to the players that, that they want to get better and it's you don't have guys complaining and doing anything. They just want to go do it and they have no problems with it. You're in a division with you know the big boys, the big money spenders. There's got to be a little extra when you beat those guys. Like, yeah, you can spend all that money, but we're going to beat you anyway. <laughs> I'd be lying if I if, if, if I said we we didn't want to beat them as bad or worse than anybody else. Like, it's like we want to we want to beat everybody, but also like being being I guess looked at as probably the the little brothers of of the division probably because of because of payroll and everything like that and in the history of of those franchises like it definitely it definitely adds a little bit of extra motivation and and drive for us all right we'll, we'll end on this and we appreciate you coming down when I saw that report of St. Petersburg Montreal that's so ridiculous it's never going to happen it's so ridiculous have they been have people been asking you about it and, do, and and what do you think? Um, it actually caught me off guard. I I kind of saw it on Twitter, and I had a bunch of, a bunch of my buddies text me and ask me, and I was like, "Dude, I that's not in my power. I don't know. That's above, that's way above my pay grade to make any kind of comment on that. Like, uh, who knows? That's not that's not something I really even have enough information to really to really get in on. Yeah, it's so 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 now we're gonna build two ballparks. <laughs> The whole thing's just absolutely ridiculous. Hey, we appreciate the time. I got a lot of respect. Uh, you, you, you've helped change the game of baseball, and you're going to go down. You'll get, when they say opener, it's going to be your face there. So <laughs> congratulations, good luck to you, and a lot of respect for you and your ball club. Thank you very much. Appreciate you having me.
And last but not least, Trey Mancini. Trey Mancini having a really good year. And obviously it's a tough year being in Baltimore as they're not trying to win. But he's a really good player. And it was great to have him come over to our set right there, A's Cast Live, and have him on. Here's Baltimore Oriole, Trey Mancini. How are you doing today? Oh, good. How are you guys? We are fabulous. And we want to thank you for taking the time to come out. And we're not a bad little set we got going. Yeah, no, yeah, baseball. this is yeah a lot more official than I thought. This is nice. Yeah, so what we're doing is it's a it's actually a streaming we're live 24 7 and we're doing this show before we get to our pregame show so this is kind of the model that is the future for major league baseball so it's always cool when somebody like yourself comes out and helps us build this thing as hell yesterday we had jim palmer on we had scott boris it was it was a lot of fun things are going well for you yeah i've been trying um you know just trying to stay pretty simple at the plate and and um you know hit on my terms and and um, you know, try not to let the, the pitchers dictate too much of what I'm doing up there. And I think about when you're having that kind of success when obviously the Orioles are in a situation, it's, it's one of those years where you know it's about to be rebuild mode. So what is it like for you to have that kind of success, but yet you're seeing struggles for other guys? Yeah, I mean, the team's, um, you know, success or, or um you know, shortcomings are kind of my main focus. It's not really, um, I've never been too much of like a, a me guy or, or personal player. I always, you know, I'd rather win and, and go for four than go three for four and, and lose. So that's that's always kind of how I am, and, and that's, how it's, that's how I'm always going to be. So, um, yeah, it's been kind of a tough year for us, and hopefully we can start stringing some wins together. But the thing for you that I think about is, I mean, you're right in your prime. I mean, these are the golden years for a ball player, and this just has to feel good, the start that you've gotten out to this season. Yeah, it definitely does, especially last year in the first half. I, I struggled a lot, and, and I learned a lot last year, and um, the All-Star break last year was huge for me uh, personally, just kind of getting away for a little bit and reevaluating some things and, and um, you know, knowing what I needed to do to, to make myself better as a player. And, and um, I can look back and say that I've done a pretty good job overall of, of controlling what I can control, and, and it's shown on the field. Let's knock on wood because this all-star break could be very good oh yeah i hope so yeah yeah (laughs) try not to put the car before the horse there but but yeah definitely hoping for that yeah i what would it mean to you it would mean the world it would be a dream come true i mean i grew up watching baseball every day what i always wanted to do i remember watching every all-star game with my dad we were at the beach every year um so to play in the game would would be incredible dream come true and and um especially kind of where i was last year during the all-star break i think that would make it even more special when you talk about battling through adversity Talk about those struggles, but then you battle through it. You become stronger as a person, and then the light goes on. What was that process like for you? Yeah, it's really. I mean, it's so tough at the time, and it's it's hard to. Um, yeah, it's hard to go through, and it's it's hard to see the light at the end. Of- the tunnel for sure but once you go through it you're kind of appreciative for going through those tough times especially this year um you know we've got a pretty new team um you know people that have been following the Orioles for a while a lot of the familiar names aren't here anymore so I knew I had to step up and and kind of be one of the guys even though I'm only in my third third full season so I think going through a lot of those struggles last year kind of helped um me be better equipped to help guys that are going through tough times this year and and we've got a lot of young guys who are um you know going to have their share of good times and bad times so um i want to be somebody that they can go to I think about we all go through this, right? I mean, there's times where you have the success and then you have the runs of three, four years where you have the struggles. Now that you're one of those guys, tell us how you go about trying to teach. And I know there's always been that Oriole way. 
Yeah, definitely. I mean, just kind of little things throughout the game. If I see something, um, you know, kind of go up to a guy and, and say, you know, like yesterday, um, I, I kind of made a questionable decision by stealing third in the first inning there with two outs. But I knew I knew I had the bag, but Chance ran behind me. I mean, he's a young guy, great player, but I kind of went up to him and said, unless you know for sure that you have second base, um, you know, don't go there. And, and just kind of little things like that that I notice uh, throughout games. I try to help guys and point it out to them so, so we don't make the same mistakes again. What I think is really fascinating about your club going forward is you've brought over a lot of Houston Astros people, and we know how good the Houston Astros have been, and we know how the Astros with technology are changing the way their players play. What has it been like you, this new regime coming in and, and doing things more like how the Houston Astros are doing it? Yeah, I mean, these guys obviously know what they're doing. Look what they did in Houston. It's extremely impressive, and I have no doubt that they'll do the same in Baltimore, and I really hope I'm around whenever things do turn around in Baltimore. Um, but, yeah, they they know what they're doing. They I, they had a great draft, it looked like. I, even though you can't really tell um, for a few more years really how the draft looks, it um, you know looks like they drafted a lot of athletic kids, they, and they have a really good track record of drafting. And, um, yeah, they, they develop guys, and, and they're all about the analytics. And, and these days you're kind of behind if you, if you don't really believe in that stuff. So um, it's, it's really cool to be a part of. Was it an easy buy-in for you? Oh, very much so, yeah. And there are some things I think that helped me offensively. Nothing too groundbreaking, but just more, um, you know, last year I would swing at a lot of breaking balls early in the count because I didn't want to get to two strikes. And this year I'm kind of um, trying to dictate the at-bats a lot better. And, and I'm not afraid to get to two strikes this year as opposed to last year. And I think that's really helped me out a lot. Yeah, it's not a surprise that uh, this is an analytic ball club. I mean, oh, yeah. with the start of Moneyball. But things have so changed because now it's so much about science and TrackMan and it's cameras and everything that you can learn. So when, when that comes, and I, I know the Orioles have been doing it, but when these guys come over from the Astros, really what did you learn about yourself that you say, okay, I can change this because of what they're giving me? Um, I mean, it wasn't too much. It was kind of more just what I said earlier about what the pitches I was swinging at, what I what I hit well, what I don't hit well, and trying to avoid what I don't hit well. But at the end of the day, when you're up there against a major league pitcher, you can't have you know a ton of equations going through your head. You can't be thinking too much. You just got to go up there and compete. But um, you know, get into the field early and, and studying some of those things and kind of putting in your subconscious can help. But but you know, when it's seven o'clock and the lights come on, you just got to go out there and compete. Bottom line. Have you seen them working a lot? I know your pitchers have given a lot of home runs. I mean, everybody knows it, but have you seen them really kind of tweak and change the way your pitchers go about business? Yeah, I think the pitchers have more probably from an analytical standpoint as of right now than the hitters do. Um, but, yeah, I think they're trying to tweak some guys. And, and, you know, this year can kind of be a test in some ways um, for some guys knowing what they do well and don't, and hopefully that can help them in the future. Um, and I know a lot in the lower levels of the minors, too, they're doing a lot of a lot of things with them. Let's end on this. What do you think about this Oakland ball club? They've got a great team. I've always thought that. Even uh, so, my first full season was in 2017, and, and um, I know they came out really strong at the end of the year. That year, they didn't get off to a great start, but I knew they had a really young core and and some guys that could play, and and um, that definitely showed last year for sure. And and um, yeah, they've got a really good team. I think Ch- uh, Matt Chapman's one of the most underrated players in baseball. Um, you know, Montas has come on to be a fantastic pitcher this year. I mean, they got. Some 
some dudes that can play. Um, and, and yeah, I've, I've always had a great respect for how they've done things here, and these guys play really hard. So, so I've always thought that about them. I really appreciate you coming out. Pretty awesome. And continued success. And hopefully, uh, not trying to jinx it, knock on wood, <laughs> hopefully we'll see you in that All-Star game. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thank you. All right, that's going to do it for A's Unfiltered with Chris Townsend. Enjoy the All-Star break. We're going to have more of these coming your way. But uh, enjoy the vacation. Enjoy Home Run Derby. Enjoy the, and uh, enjoy the All-Star game. And we'll see you in the second half at the Coliseum. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.